Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. This is Cork Today. Cork Today with Patricia Messenger on C103. Cork's greatest hits. C103. And a very good Thursday morning to you. If you're a bit confused what day of the week it is, it's Thursday all day today as we welcome you along to the programme. We've got Sadie and John Paul taking your calls at 1850-333-103. You can text her WhatsApp as well to 0862-103-103. We love to hear from you. And already getting some texts in. And actually there's two have come in separately, but they're covering the same topic. And I imagine that this is affecting a number of people and it is to do with the lack of toilets available when you're out in public. The first text uh, came in from Mary to say, Hi, I was in Mallow yesterday and it was absolutely fab to be out and about and visiting the shops again and to see rails of beautiful clothes. There was plenty of gloves, there was lots of hand sanitizer available and there was no problem at all with uh, browsing. The only problem, I couldn't find a public toilet anywhere in the town. I had the very same experience when I made a visit to Cork City on on Monday and this I think is going to be a problem going forward particularly for a cohort of people who always need to have access to a public toilet for medical reasons or people of a certain age might need to use the bathroom a little bit more often than others what about when children are starting to go out and about and when a child needs to go to the toilet a child needs to go to the toilet and somebody else says Patricia I was in Meadows and Burns yesterday and the adjoining garden centre where it was very busy but the toilets were off limits I was raging because they were even selling takeaway coffee why can't they leave the main toilet doors open lay on plenty of hand sanitizers, uh, etc. I feel they should be respect, respecting the customers by having the toilets available and not closed. It's not on. I don't think it's down to the retailers. I'll get John Paul to uh, and Sadie to double check it for me. But as far as I know, it's one of the stipulations when businesses have opened that toilets have to be off limits. And I think the reason for it, unless they could put a member of staff 
permanently in the toilet, constantly cleaning it after everybody uses it. But uh, because the, remember, the virus hasn't gone away. It's still there. And everything has been done when we're out and about and when we're going back into the world of retail to make sure that everybody is safe. And as far as I know, that's one of the regulations that all of the toilets have to be closed off. But it is going to cause problems for uh, people who may feel that they won't be able to go back out if they can't and don't have access to uh, a toilet. As I say, I'll get it double, I'll get it checked, but I'm sure it is one of the regulations the public they're, they're, that businesses can't allow customers access to uh, public toilets. And I don't know then about the public toilets that like the council toilets I don't know have any of them reopened again well let's get that checked and see if we can find out and if anybody has been out and about have you noticed are any of the public toilets any of the super loos are they uh, available uh, to people because at least if you have the public toilets available that might give people some peace of mind but I suppose we'll be in the very same problem with the public toilet as you would be with the toilet in a shop And then I'm thinking further when all of the cafes are open, will surely they'll have to have access to toilets. But I suppose in a cafe or a restaurant, it will be different because they'll have staff members assigned to make sure that the toilets are sterilised and that everything is uh, okay. Anyway, your thoughts welcomed on that. And and I'm assuming others are having problems as well when they're heading out, discovering that there are no toilets available uh, to them. And then yesterday, I just want to go back to yesterday for a moment. We had a number of people contact us about NCTs because we know the NCT centres are now back up and running. Well, a limited number are up and uh, running and they opened up on last Monday. Uh, We still don't have indication as to when all of the NCT centres will be open. For us here in Cork, we have two NCT centres open, the one that's in Little Island and the one that's in Blarney. And people are being asked to come forward for your NCT test. And the the people that they're asking to book now are those who whose test date was due prior to the 28th of March. And they're also asking the people to come forward who were unable to complete their test due to the defects discovered with the vehicle lift equipment earlier in the year. So that's the cohort of people. For everybody else, they say, hold off. And as we know, an extra four months, there's been an extension of four months added on to your NCT. So you don't need to worry about your NCT running out. You have an extra four months on it. So anybody up to the 28th of March and anyone who needed to go back and have the second part of the test done in order to get their certificate have been asked to book. Now, there was a problem yesterday in that you can only book by going on ncts.ie no availability for telephone booking you must book online that's the only way to do it and then we heard from some listeners yesterday who went back just so that their vehicle could be put up on the lift to have the second part of the test done and we'd one listener who was really unfortunate they and I don't know what the exact reason was but she was told she would have to go back and have the full test done again, but that she would only be charged for a retest. And when they did the full test again, they discovered there was a problem. So now she's to go back again for another retest. And she was very, very annoyed. So we were discussing that yesterday on the programme. And then we got a call in at the end of the programme that I didn't get a chance to mention from uh, somebody who works at an NCT centre who wants to give a word of warning to people who are going back for that second half of the test, the people that needs to get their 
past everything else they just need their vehicle put up on the lift in order to get their uh, certificate if you uh, if you your car has gone 5,000 kilometres over the test from when you got your test done if you have driven 5,000 kilometres or more when you go back in to have the second part of the test done you will be told that you'll have to do the full test again and the sting in the tail is you're going to be charged the full test price. So just a word of warning to people if you are due the second part of your NCT test make sure your car has not gone over the 5,000 kilometre mark or else you're going to have to do the whole test uh, again and that's going to be now for most people it's been probably three months they've been driving. They probably haven't gone over the 5,000 mark but there will be a cohort of people who maybe were commuting to work and drive long distances every day and every week and 5,000 kilometres in a couple of months they'd clock it up no problem at all. So just to make people aware of that you will be forced to do the, uh, the full NCT test again and according to the source in the NCT you'll be charged the full price again that seems very very unfair I have to say 1850 Okay, some people texting in about toilets Hi Trish in Merchants Quay and Paul Street Shopping Centre the toilets are available for use from a Cork City listener Okay, that's good to hear if you're in the city Merchants Quay and Paul Street Shopping Centre the toilets are open and hi Patricia the public toilets are also open in McCroom I was there yesterday Okay, thank you for that Okay, if anybody else spots toilets that are available can you let us know so we can pass that information on to uh, listeners because we are encouraging people to go out because the local businesses that have opened need to see your happy smiling face. They need to see you back in the doors of their businesses and we just want to make that shopping experience as happy and as comfortable for as many people as possible. Antibody tests and we have discussed them here on the programme and a lot of people are saying they can't wait for the antibody tests to come out because there are a lot of people are convinced that they had coronavirus be it before Christmas, be it after Christmas when there was a really rotten kind of a flu doing the rounds and a lot of people feel that what they went through at the time had all of the signs and symptoms of coronavirus. Now, some, a lot of doctors are saying you didn't have it, it was only a, fl- a flu, but there are people convinced that they did have coronavirus and the only way, of course, of testing for sure is to get an antibody test to see do you have antibodies for coronavirus. So it seems thousands of people in Sligo and in Dublin are going to be chosen. They will be the first group in the country. They're going to be asked for blood samples to find out if they had been infected with COVID-19 and they were unaware that they had it. The National Public Health Emergency Team picked those two counties, Sligo and Dublin, for the first survey. And the whole idea is to try to measure the percentage of the population that have actually been infected Dublin, for very obvious reasons, was chosen because they've suffered the highest number of infections in the entire country. Nearly one in two of all cases of COVID-19 were in uh, Dublin. Sligo then, why were Sligo picked? Well, Sligo were picked because they have only recorded 128 uh, cases. So they would have been the region with the least 
number of COVID-19 cases. So the aim of this initial survey is to get a region badly affected and to get another region with low levels of infection. The blood test looks for the antibodies that are produced after a person has been infected and has recovered. And now the study is planned to take place across this month. There's going to be seemingly lots of a communication campaign because they're trying to get a high participation. I don't have a figure on the number, but they're going to do a big push to try to get as many people from Dublin and Sligo to come forward and to give to give a blood sample to be uh, tested. The findings then will indicate the level of immunity to the virus within the country, although it's still unclear how long that immunity lasts. And the reason for that is, of course, it is a new virus, because even for people who have had COVID-19, they have the antibodies. So we know at the moment they would be uh, immune. Nobody knows is that immunity, is it going to last for six months? Is it going to last for a year? Is it going to last for life? And so even people who have had COVID-19, when we eventually get to a vaccine stage, they will be still told to go forward and get the vaccine. Now, similar studies, these antibody studies, have been carried out in other countries and they've been seen to be very important for the easing of lockdown because if, they, if it comes back and there is a high number of people test positive for these antibodies and they're able to prove that yes there's a, there is a high percentage of the population actually had COVID at 19 but we didn't know about it. Maybe they didn't have any symptoms at all. Maybe they're a group of those uh, people who did suffer symptoms in a cold or a flu type symptom and maybe then they can say yeah I definitely had COVID-19 and it was at that particular uh, point uh, in time. So if we knew the percentage of people that actually had COVID-19, it could help us to speed up the easing of the lockdown. The latest development comes as the figures released from the Department of Health yesterday. They are showing an ongoing downturn in the impact of the virus. Sadly, uh, five more people died from the virus and there was 19 new cases. There are currently 120 patients with confirmed cases of COVID-19 in hospital and the number of intensive care is at 29. So those figures are, are really low. When you think back to the height of the pandemic in this country, those figures were much, much higher. So huge pressure being taken off our hospitals, which certainly is good news. And we all wait for a vaccine and it seems Johnson & Johnson are to bring forward by two months human trials of their potential COVID-19 vaccine and they're hoping to do it in the second half of July as the company rushes to develop uh, a vaccine for the virus. The company has already signed deals with the US government to create enough manufacturing capacity to produce more than one billion doses of the vaccine and they'll be doing that throughout 2021. And they've already signed up for that even before evidence that it works. They're that convinced that they have uh, they have the right virus. There's no approved treatments as we know and no vaccines for COVID-19 yet. Johnson & Johnson's study will test the vaccine against a placebo and they'll assess its safety and immune response in just over a thousand healthy people aged between 18 and 55 and they're also going to get a group of people over the age of 65. The trial is going to take place in the US and in Belgium and based on the strength of their preclinical data, they say they so far have, in, have uh, in interactions with the regulatory authority and 
and they're able to further accelerate the clinical trials. The company is also in talk with the National Institutes of Allergy and Infectious Diseases to start a larger late stage trial, which of course is what we're, we're going to need. There are now 10 coronavirus vaccines in human testing and experts have predicted that a safe and effective vaccine could take 12 to 18 months from the start of the development. So why we get excited that it has gone to, it's getting to human trial stage. We need to get to human trial stage, but we're talking 18 um, or 12 to 18 months before it would be available. And, and really our lives are kind of all on hold until we get to the stage where there is a safe vaccine uh, available. So that's why I I certainly think the antibody testing, I'll be really interested to see the results of this study out of Dublin and uh, Sligo. And I'm assuming if, there, if it was offered here in Cork, I wonder how many people, I'd be first in the queue. I'd be in the queue like straight away say take my blood let me know uh, did I have a COVID-19 or not because while I don't think I had it I certainly had that very very nasty flu back in February and it was the day after the election because I was up at the count centre and I had been working at the count centre in the after sort of the mid-morning into the early afternoon and then there's that lull anyone that goes to count to election counts will know there's a lull in the afternoon uh, where you're waiting for the first for the first count to come in. So I'd come home and I said, I'd come home, have, you know, make the dinner, have the Sunday roast because it was a Sunday. And then I was planning on heading back up at about six, half past six. And when I came home, I started to suddenly, you know, when you, everything's going fine, you're in great form. And, and I'd woken with a bit of a scratchy throat, all right. That as, as I was at home, I was suddenly starting to feel very unwell. I felt very hot. Then I felt very cold. Um, and just feeling really unwell. And this, unreal tiredness came over me and anyway finished made the dinner at the dinner and just said I've got to go to bed just got to go to bed so I didn't end up going back to the count centre that uh, evening and just then that went went into a week of just feeling so unwell and then I remember it was the tiredness for about three weeks after that I was about a week where I was off work with the sort of like flu-like symptoms and then but there was a good three weeks where I was in every day and I would want to jump on the office saying, oh, I'm exhausted. I was like almost wanted to sleep the clock. It took an awful long while for my energy levels uh, to come back up. I remember having to get that tonic that Annalise always recommends to, to give me kind of a bit of a pick up and, and you know, to get to get back again. Now, I'm not saying it was COVID-19, but it w- I would be very interested when we get the, if they decide to look at Cork for antibody testing and no doubt they'll move it around the country to see uh, who has the, who has the antibodies or not. I'm hoping that they do. I certainly would be the first in the queue for that. 1850 John Paul and Sadie taking your calls. Text WhatsApp 0862 103103. I was talking about the antibody testing which is going to start this month in Dublin and in Sligo, the, the area with the most, the region, the worst affected Dublin and the other region which has been the least affected. That's why Sligo has been, has been picked and we, we await to see how many people in this country actually had coronavirus with not even knowing it. Many of them totally unaware. Some of them may, may not even have had uh, symptoms. Someone says, am I right in saying that Claire Byrne uh, was tested after she had COVID-19 and she didn't have the antibodies? I don't know. I, I it, Maybe she said it on air, but it could have been. I know it can take a while for the antibodies to build up in your body. The virus, can you can still have the virus without being being contagious the virus can still be in your system uh, which means the antibodies wouldn't have built up there built up yet so that could have been the reason but maybe 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 somebody gets COVID-19 and doesn't 
build up antibodies which would be a bit of a, a frightening uh, prospect so I don't know if anybody can f- confirm that to Claire Byrne say that at some stage she had COVID-19 did she come out and say she was tested for antibodies and for some reason didn't have the antibodies Hi Patricia would it be possible please to advise your listeners that Bandon Country Market in Weir Street reopens tomorrow yay June 12th we're very conscious says this texter that uh, customers might be a bit wary of venturing out so to provide social distancing protection we're now offering contactless payment customers can also text and then collect their orders by texting 087 900 9494 that's 087 900 9494 if you want to phone in your order to Bandon Country Market and they'll have it ready for you but the best of luck to everybody involved in the country markets and it's one of the things there's been much excitement with all the various little farmers markets opening up and people really enjoying having the produce back and it's great for the, the traders as well so the best of luck to everybody Bandon Country Market uh, getting underway tomorrow. Hi Patricia, hope you're well. I am indeed. Thank you very much for asking. Can I ask you please, the social welfare payments, do they plan on remaining to be paid fortnightly or will they be returning to weekly payments? I'm talking about things like the old age pension, the one parent family, family income supplement. At the moment we are paid every two weeks. Do you know if there are any plans to revert back to the one to the one once a week uh, payment. Okay, we've checked it for you. And from the 18th of May, some of them actually have reverted back to a weekly payment, things like maternity benefit, paternity, adoptive leave, parents benefit and uh, health and safety benefits. They've gone back to being paid once a week. To be honest, you never had the option of collecting any of those benefits from a post office. The reason that they went to the fortnightly payment was to stop people having to go out to the post office to collect their money all of those benefits that I just mentioned there are never paid at the post office. They're always paid into people's bank accounts. So I don't know why they opted to make those go fortnightly. So anyway, they've reverted those back to weekly. So at the moment, everything else is remaining fortnightly uh, and there's no word yet as to when they'll move it and change it from every two weeks to every week. But as of now, it remains It remains uh, that way. You will get your, your money either at the post office or you pick it up, uh, go straight into your bank, on, bank account, but it's every two weeks as of now. No no plans to change that yet. 1850-333-103. John Paul and Sadie taking your calls. Text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. Court today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. With phase two of the roadmap to reopen the country following lockdown no, now underway, there are calls from Munster to be opened up at a much faster rate than other parts of the country. Leading the charge, West Cork Independent Adult Deputy Michael Collins, uh, who joins me this morning. Good morning to you, Michael. Good morning, Patricia. And uh, thank you for taking time out. I know you're at the COVID-19 uh, meeting, which we'll talk about in a minute, so I appreciate you you're stepping out to talk to us. Are, are you basing this on the low number of cases of COVID-19 here in Munster, and for that reason we should be treated different than, say, Dublin? I am, uh, certainly, Patricia, you know, I suppose businesses are, are, are going through a most horrendous time at, at this present time and we need to open and open in a very safe manner. And I have to balance this out. I've always said that if we are reopening a part of our, our country and Munster seems to be um, fairly good in figures in relation to, to COVID figures, that we should open it in a very uh, careful manner and, and, and make sure that all the checks are in place before we do that. We certainly should be looking at it, and I've been, you know, 
weeks for a breakdown of figure from tone to tone to, to, to just try and see where uh, where there is clusters and where there is areas of danger. But definitely the figures that we're getting, and, and they're not very clear at times, but they're as clear as we can make them. I mean, that Munster is, 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 is probably, you know, the lowest hit at the present time. And, and the more uh, rural parts of, 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 of away from the cities is, is, is relatively COVID-free. Uh, that's what we by, by the way, by the way, on that point, would you like if because I know certainly we hear we certainly hear it from a lot of our listeners. Would you like if we got more detail on where the cases are? That's what I I asked the um, uh, minister for health last week and, and the Taoiseach also. Uh, can they give us a tone by tone breakdown? I think it's very very important, and I can respect they said even if they they, they don't know where the figures are, um, but that even if they did, they may not be accurate. I. I respect that. They may not be very accurate but they'll be very close to the mark and gives us a very fair idea and, and I think, you know, we're living at the moment on, on, on whispers and rumours yeah. um, in relation to, you know, where it is and where it was and especially initially it was meant to be in every town, every village but I don't think it was uh, in fairness but certainly the figures, they, surely somebody has those figures uh, that can break them down much clearer and unfortunately they haven't been to date. And yeah, because when, when we get a figure for Cork, it's for Cork City and County, which, as we know, is a huge, huge area. It could mean that there was absolutely no COVID-19 case, say, on any of the peninsulas. Definitely, uh, that is, and that would be the case. It has to be the case. Uh, but unfortunately, that breakdown hasn't been afforded to us. And, you know, we're bunching with, with Cork City and the uh, and I'm not saying that there's a lot of cases there, but there certainly would be more uh, cases in the cities like, like in Dublin, and we shouldn't be. And I mean, I think the whole economy was closed down initially on, on, on basis, and a lot of figures coming from, from Dublin, and the situation in, in parts of West Cork was relatively cold free. I am seeing the whole time, and I'm, I'm looking at our, you know, our, our, our publicans, uh, our taxis, our uh, hotels, our B&Bs, they're all in, in a very, very difficult position, and they're you know, they're, they're, they're now looking at roadways to, to reopen. They're, they're following the guidelines to the best of their ability, but I think they can fast track that up. And, you know, I spoke about this recently, which is about uh, same-day testing in our airports and ports. And, you know, and I, I put that to the HSE. I put that to the T-shirt last week. The T-shirt said it cost 200 euros. That's incorrect. It cost less than 50 euros to do. Each person, I can certainly know a lot of people who'd love to holiday in West Cork, and if they could prove that they're COVID-free, they'd be absolutely thrilled to pay 50 euros to do that. Um, and, and, and you know, another thing is that doctors and nurses that carry out testing. And I think uh, this is the move along that line we should be making. To, and, and, and you know, I don't want to open up West Cork and have the fear of the you know people coming in. I mean, but you see, isn't that isn't that the problem? I mean, if we decided that Munster has very low cases of COVID nineteen, I mean, Kerry uh, we know have 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 had have had little or no uh, cases in a number of weeks now at this stage, and actually we here in Cork uh, have had many days where we've had absolutely nobody thankfully passed away from COVID nineteen, and there's been no new cases of uh, COVID nineteen. So if we were to open up Munster as a region, how do we stop people coming from areas? And, and I don't, I'm not picking on Dublin people, but we know that Dublin has the highest number of cases. How do we stop them travelling down to Cork? We certainly don't, but we should put the measures uh, to make sure that they, when they come here that they have been tested. Uh, the simple measure is, is a temperature check. You know, that's a very, the most simplistic measure you can put in place uh, before you enter into an area. But also then the, the same-day testing should be considered right as an, as a national uh, way to deal with 
this because if we want to open up, if we, you know we're going to have to live with this. And it looks from what I hear today from <clears throat> uh, Dr. David uh, Nevira here in, in the COVID-19 committee from the WHO, he's making it very clear we're looking at this, having to live with this for the next two to three years. We can't close down our economy for the next two to three years because businesses are hemorrhaging left, right and centre. And uh, the, unfortunately, the grantees that have been announced are not getting to the businesses quick enough. Uh, and unfortunately, I think a lot of them are making the decision to pull the plug. And, you know, I, I, well, I respect that we have to be extremely careful. Um, I, I think people are being uh, very, very careful. One of the questions I raised here today with Dr. Severe was the one to two metre distance. Mm-hmm. Um, can, can we go, like WHO have been saying publicly, that the one metre distance, is, as far as they're concerned, is, 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 good, is quite uh, adequate. But uh, the, the Irish have been adamant that it's a two metre distance people have to see. And maybe we move towards one, one metre. And I wanted to know what was the difference. And he was telling me that, or he was telling us, and the dog did, in reply to the question, that uh, you have a 70% chance. And it's the difference between 70 and 85%, the, the one, uh, the two metre saw. Uh, you need 85% less chance of, of uh, picking up the COVID virus if you're um, within two metres of somebody that's needed you or 70% chance if they... If they, if they, if they I, I think people would live with the 70% chance. I definitely think at this time they will because the fact is that the underlying fact here is that we're going to have to live with this for, for many for many years to come. Yeah. And if that's the case, we're going to have to look at ways uh, to deal with it. And, and as I say, nobody wants to bring this into their community. But certainly, you know, I've, I've talked to the islands over the last number of days. There, you know, there's a, there's, a, there's a split there. People now feel that at least people in, in, in Cork and in, they have a home there and that they should go to the island. I think that actually is going to be, be announced in the next couple of days that they will. Or, and people can visit people in the island. Maybe not open it up until late July to, to, the, to the major general public. There's a lot of moves that can be made. And I think they can be made much quicker. And, and, and you know, I've been calling for that. And to try to kickstart um, the, the tourism sector. I mean, do you, do, you, do you believe and are you hopeful that the tourism sector can recover some of this year's season? It's going to be very, very difficult. You know, we're talking about, eight, like, air travel is down 99% at this present time. And, I mean, look, we can have the, the, the Irish tourists is, is, is hugely important. And that's what we need to concentrate. I think we need to, we all have to look at our, our our airports, you know, and look at maybe um, doing bilateral agreements and and maybe opening up travel car- corridors from countries like Germany, Austria, the Czech Republic, Switzerland, Poland, and the Baltics. These are countries that have very little uh, COVID nineteen cases, and obviously we have to look at maybe the unfortunate situation with, with England. Uh, there would be a higher risk, so maybe we need to do COVID testing for British the English people, and they come in and other countries that have a high rate of. COVID-19. We have to look at solutions Jim, because we, ha- we have to open up our airports and ports for business because if we don't our economy is, is in dire straits as it is but I certainly I'm, I'd fear I'd shudder greatly to businesses that were depending on a good season this year so that they, when their doors unfortunately shut in September, October that they would survive uh, during the winter. Now the fact that they're having a shocking summer um, and, and, and no you know no great upper recovery. I was talking to a business person the other day they had nine tables in their cafe. Now they're only allowed four under the two-meter uh, distance. And they're worried because once they open the door, they have the same overhead, same rate, 
same electricity bill, same everything, but they're only less than half their customers. They won't survive and they know they won't survive. Yeah, I know in the next hour we're going to be talking about the, the crashes uh, reopening and even with the grants that have been awarded yesterday, it looks like there will be a number of providers. It's just not financially uh, viable. But just on, on tourism, I saw uh, a piece in, in the papers today on tourism funding that's been uh, handed out and so I was quite excited about this saying great, a little bit of money for the tourism sector to read down 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 through it that there was only one project in Munster was directly funded which is the Waterford County Festival of Food. The bulk of the money is gone to Connacht but when the Waterford County Festival of Food, I said great you know, they're probably a great festival and, and they deserve it and they got nearly 25,000 but when you look at all of our fantastic food festivals like the West Cork Food Festival there's so many fantastic food festivals here in Cork. Why didn't we get any funding, any grants? That's, uh, that's a question that maybe I've asked myself for many years and many all that we seem to be the poor relations in the Cork side here uh, when it comes to being granted and certainly, you know, I, I've been recently very critical of the, the new tourism task force that has nobody from Cork on it. Uh, I think, you know, we've been kind of squeezed out at, at all times, which is very, very serious. Uh, I think the hotel sector, the B&B sector, I've talked to quite a lot of people in, with the B, uh, doing B&Bs. There was a lot of worries. I think that has been a lead in the last 24 hours that they would have to maybe close down a room or two rooms in their B&Bs. That I don't think is, is going to have to happen. Um, meaning that like, like maybe if they had a three or four bed, that one or two of the rooms have to be closed down for 48 hours before they have something. I think that doesn't have to happen right now. So, like, okay, some clarity has been made, but... A lot of these people need the injection of, of, of funding, um, and I'm meeting the hotel sector tomorrow in West Cork. But they're, they're, they're in deep trouble. They're in very, very difficult and deep trouble. And I think the two meter to one meter distancing would be will make a, a huge difference. Huge difference. Time. We've we've been speaking to hotel hoteliers, and it's the it's the difference between them reopening or keeping their doors closed. I mean, that literally is is it, and the jobs that go with opening and remaining remaining closed. Uh, before we let you go, Mairead, one of our listeners wants to know, why are you, along with the other independents, not going into government instead of the Greens? And somebody else is saying, is Michael Collins fearful of Green policies in a future government? I mean, we know that the Greens are talking with Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael. We know they're talking about a ban on live exports. They're talking about reducing emissions uh, to 7%. Your views on that, please. Uh, going into government, would you go into government? We left our door open at all times, and but the um, and Fianna Fáil have made it very clear since they joined together. We met with them. We met with them on uh, I can't Tuesday when we did the double. Uh, we met them uh, on Tuesday as well. Um, in relation to discussion the formation of government, now we've left it wide open at the present time until we see a program for government. We're not willing to give anyone a blind a blank check, and we'll see what's going forward. There will be very serious concerns, yes, um, in, in, in West Cork, and, the, the, and that's been relayed to me by uh, a hell of a lot of people um, with the Green Party going into government because of the, they're, they're on about the butane gas, they're on about uh, the live export, uh, like in, in relation to agriculture. Um, uh, we met with Eamon Ryan, with um, Michal Martin and, and Leo Varetka, and, and Eamon tried to lay those fears with us uh, during, during the week. You know, a lot will depend, uh, Patricia, on the, on the program of government. Um, obviously, we're in a totally different uh, situation to what we were before an election, um, and we have to understand that too. But um, we, we're very focused on, on a, a rural, um, uh, I suppose, a recovery. And, and uh, like I asked the Taoiseach the other day, I said, you know, four years ago, I was in the program for government. I stayed. 
negotiating whether I joined them or not up to the last minute I made a decision I wouldn't and I said I was right as far as I was concerned because uh, rural Ireland got, was decimated again in the last few years and he promised that that wouldn't happen you're here before again today promising us the very same thing and what is going to be different and and they're, they're making a lot of promises uh, I don't know can they deliver on those promises or not um, and, and we haven't shut the door and, and joining with them, we certainly are uh, waiting for the program government, and from there we make a decision in our, our group. So you, you haven't ruled it out, but nervous about the Greens. Okay, listen, we'll let you go back. Um, uh, is that COVID nineteen meeting continuing? It is con- uh, continuing. We most of our meetings last about two hours, and then we'd have a break for maybe an hour, and then two more hours, and then another break, and uh, like maybe three sessions. Um, because if you're in if, if you're in the room more than two hours, you're opening yourself up to risk if somebody got COVID. Uh, that you would be having to come back for 14 days to, to, to quarantine, basically. So I don't, okay. we don't want to be in that situation. So Could you, are, could you ask, Michael, are the hairdressers going to be discussed at that meeting, the opening up of the hairdressers? The, the, the issue with the hairdressers uh, was discussed, actually, at our, not at the WHO meeting today, but it was, it was discussed with uh, Tishuk and, and, and Michal Martin. And uh, it looks to me as if uh, the bigger body in, in, in the hairdressing unions is, is anxious to open up, but they're... They, they only represent uh, about 500 members, where there's hundreds and hundreds, maybe a couple of thousand other members not ready to open up yet. And uh, they, they've made a very, very good submission to the Taoiseach those uh, in the bigger business and the bigger side of the hairdressing salon. And uh, they, they're very impressed with their uh, with their submission and they could reopen. But I've got a lot of messages from hairdressers saying they're not ready yet this time because... Their business is not up to standard. It's, it's, it's funny, I, I can back you up on that because we're getting calls in as well from some of the smaller hairdressers who do not want to open up on the 29th of June. They want to hold out until the yeah. 20th. So, yeah, I, so think majority, it's, I think it's an industry that's divided. It's certainly yeah, an industry that's divided. The bigger members are... are, are the bigger to, salons uh, will be able to do I, I it. Think, I think yeah. those, the smaller, the smaller uh, salons will have to put together a submission uh, to counteract the one that's gone in. Okay. Otherwise, they'll be reopening very soon. Okay. okay, we leave it there, Michael. Thank you for that. Thank and for uh, thanks uh, for joining us. That is West Cork Independent Doll Deputy Michael Collins. Cork today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 Okay, we've just had a report in of an accident. Where is it? It's part of Dublin Hill in Cork City is blocked. The emergency services are dealing with a collision with traffic slowing both ways on the route. You're advised to take caution on the approach. It's the stretch behind Blackpool Shopping Centre. Okay, the stretch behind Blackpool Shopping Centre, part of Dublin Hill. There is an accident there. Please try to uh, avoid. We were talking about NCTs earlier. A listener says... Hi Trisha, do you know is the NCT Centre in care back up and running? And that's from Ned in Anglesborough uh, and obviously that's the closest NCT Centre to uh, Ned, the one in Cork, uh, or the one in Care. And I can tell you, no, that's not on the list. There isn't, they're not all, and I don't even know when the rest are due to be up and running um, Ned, but certainly the Care one is not open. The one in Waterford is open. If that's of any use to you, and of course the two that we've been talking about, there are two open here in uh, Cork. There's the one in Little Island and there is the one in Blarney. And again, just to uh, um, remind people that the only way you can get your NCT, book your NCT, is by going online to ncts.ie. But they are only asking people with the test date 
prior to the 28th of March and those who were unable to complete their tests due to the defects discovered with the vehicle lift equipment earlier in the year. They're the only ones that they're asking to go forward for testing at the moment. The rest, wait please, until they open up more of the centres. Okay. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. This is Cork Today. Cork Today. With Patricia Messenger on C103. Lady's just been on to us to say she has found a little Pomeranian dog, brown foxy in uh, colour. And she's found the dog in the Rathcormac area, if that is your dog. Uh, bearing in mind that really sad story we had on yesterday from uh, Dennis talking about his dog's been stolen and to listen to that poor man crying yesterday on air was just dreadful. The amount of people that contacted us to say they were so upset listening to him uh, yesterday. Some of the papers have actually uh, picked up on that story. I know the Gardaí as well are really pushing to try to get those dogs back and asking anyone if they had any information information uh, on the sighting of that black Audi car um, who's st- and who's responsible for taking those uh, dogs. It was just so sad so it would be great if we reunited that one little dog with its owner. So uh, Rath Gormack Pomerarian brown foxy in colour if it's your dog we have the details of the lady who's looking after the dog for you 1850 Now an issue that we have been dealing with certainly for the last couple of years has to do with a mobile home and a, a caravan that was parked outside New Kilcrumper Cemetery outside of Formoy. A little bit of good news on this story. Councillor Noel McCarthy joins me. Good morning to you, Noel. Good morning, Patricia. Good morning. Uh, the mobile home has been moved. Yes, the caravan has been moved yesterday evening, which we're delighted with, Patricia, as you can imagine. I know, I know a lot of people were very upset over the last two years. As you said yourself, this has caused huge concerns and it took this, I must apologise, really, because it took so long to be moved. Why, that, why did it take so long? And that's, and, and like, as I've been on a number of times on your station discussing this and listeners have been ringing in and, and like, we brought it up at meetings, Patricia, and lessons need to be learned here. When that was moved in first day, we should have taken it on board and moved it straight away, rather than we waiting for two years. We were delighted to see it gone now, and it was with negotiations with the council and the owners of the caravan that the, it was moved. But like it shouldn't have came to this, Patricia, and people were going up to the graveyard, and it's a sad enough time to have gone up there visiting your loved ones and yeah. to see this caravan parked outside and it was upsetting really oh, upsetting okay, and, and the, people. the family that had been living the traveller family that had been living uh, in that caravan they're long since gone aren't they? They're gone oh, maybe three or four months but Oh is that all? Okay. Yeah, they've moved to another maybe it could be a bit longer now Patricia agree yeah, my time okay. here. but it's, it's definitely a number of months anyway and they've gone to a different location which again is causing a lot of concern to a lot of people Another illegal campment? Yes yes unfortunately yes in, in, in Formoy again and, and it's causing a lot of concerns and I know people ring in when they, when they hear us talking about it now and they're said they're upset with where it is at the moment as well which is really upsetting and, so and the fa- but the family it. will say we've nowhere to go Noel that's what they'll say without a doubt and I understand and Patricia I said this numerous times I, I, I don't want to see anyone to say the Lord and it's upsetting to see that as well but, but again if everyone did what they're doing well then we have no control whatsoever we must do the right thing and I did say over the last number of years 
that the family should work with the council. Now, I'm glad to say they are because by what's after happening yesterday, you can see they are working with them. But it needs to continue from there now and to find some solution to this ongoing problem. And it's not just one problem, there's a couple of problems in the mind where we must find solutions to. Okay, but the good news is that it it has been moved so when people go to visit their loved ones at the funeral, they're not looking at this caravan that was parked there. No, it's definitely moved and I think that's welcome news. And, and the, and the area longer. cleaned up and everything, is it? Yes, it was cleaned up yesterday evening and it was. And it looks, I was up there this morning again. It looks very presentable now. And I want to thank everyone involved in moving it yesterday evening. And it looks presentable. And also I want to, I think the neighbours that lived in location there, they had to put up with a lot as well and they were inconvenienced by this. So everyone, and people passing every day were worried about young children at the side of the road. So hopefully this will never happen again. And we must ensure that, Patricia, going forward and learn lessons from this. Okay, someone straight away, could you ask Noel about the caravan parked on the grounds of the Queen of Peace Church in Formoy? Is that what you're talking about? That's what I'm talking about, Patricia. I knew this would come in. And listen, yeah, we're, again, as I say, we need to learn lessons. We need to go forward and we need to solve this problem now. This is under the ownership of the Department of the Fisheries. So again, it's government-owned. We need to work and find a solution to this. Because of the COVID-19 now as well, there could be delay in this because you, obviously we have to find some somewhere for them to go and work with them. But I'm glad to say they are working with the housing executive. So hopefully we'll have a solution to this problem very soon as well. Patricia. Okay, and how is Formoy doing retail business reopened well, on Monday? Yes, and it's good to see. I was downtown yesterday and the day before. Business are opening. They're all adhering to their social distancing. Obviously, like every time, we'll have a few teething problems with lots of parking spaces over the next couple of weeks to make sure the social distancing is adhered to when there's queuings at certain businesses. But it's great to see, and I just want to encourage people that come to Formoy, like every other town, and, and shop local, because but Formoy is open, fully open for business. Yeah. And we'll be going forward from the 29th especially. That's what we all have to do. All right, Noel, listen, thank you for that. And uh, you, we Patricia. appreciate you taking our, our, our call. That is uh, Councillor Noel McCarthy, who, in fairness, uh, since that issue with that illegal encampment at Kilcumpernew Cemetery is going on, certainly to the summer of 2018, I think is when we started talking about it, he's always been available uh, to talk to us on it. So uh, we appreciate that. So thank you, uh, Councillor uh, Noel McCarthy. But certainly good news for people who've got loved ones buried at Kilcumper New Cemetery. And as an old set for people who live in that general area, caravan has been moved up. Cork County Council uh, workers, uh, the maintenance staff were there and they've cleaned up the area. So well done to the staff at Cork County Council as well. Okay, some of your thoughts coming into us. Uh, Kieran says, Patricia, I can't see why there is such a big problem with permitting hairdressers and barbers to reopen their businesses. Dentists are gone back for business. Surely a hairdresser is less a risk to a customer than a dentist would be, says uh, Kieran. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. 
That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. But as when I was talking with Noel McCarthy, or not Noel McCarthy, um, um, who was I talking with about it? Uh, Michael Collins. Sorry, <laughs> I can't be blank there. Well, it's not to Michael Collins. There, there does seem to be a split there because whenever we bring up the issue of hairdressers and when we have the Hairdressing Federation on who are really pushing to have hairdressers open on the 29th, we will inevitably get calls and texts in from local smaller hairdressers who say they're nervous about going back and they want to hold out until the 20th of uh, July. So there does seem to be a split. But I'm, I'm assuming if they get the go ahead and it is looking like this lobby group of the larger hairdressers who are lobbying the government to open on on the 29th. I suppose if they get the go ahead it will be up then to individual hairdressers. It's the same with any of the businesses. It's the same with the retail businesses that opened on Monday. Not all retail businesses opened on Monday. It's very much up to individuals if people feel safe, if people feel they can make uh, they can make money out of the business as well. For some businesses they didn't open because it just economically wouldn't be viable for them to open. So it will be an individual choice but there certainly is a very strong lobby by what appears to be the larger hairdressers to open up three weeks earlier than what's in the roadmap. The roadmap is saying the 20th of July. Hi Patricia, my son's driver's licence expires at the end of June. Do you know if they're open yet? Thanking you. Yeah, they opened on Monday. The NDLS, the National Driving Licence Centre. Now not all of them are opened. They're the, certainly the one in Cork as in the one in Cork City and we're double checking to see is the one in Skibbereen and Mallow uh, open. You have to book an appointment online. It, they're taking no walk-in service will be available. The remaining centres are planned to open in the coming weeks but I can tell you for your son's driving licence that all driving licence and learner permits who expired from the 1st of March through to the 30th of June so your son's is in June okay the end of June if it's the 30th of June we assume it is they've got a four month extension they've been extended by four months so he's got another if say it's the 30th of June he'll have July August September October he actually won't need to renew his driving licence until the end of October. They've all been extended by four months. But if you are planning on going to get your new or to renew a driving licence, it is by appointment only at the NDLS uh, centre. But certainly there's a limited number of them opening, including the one in Cork. As I say, we're double checking on the ones in the county to see if they are open or not. Uh, Tim says, I I had to go to Cork uh, once. I have to go to Cork once a week. And yesterday I thought the city centre was busier than I'd seen it since early in March. Well, no surprise there, Tim. The shops are open. And that was even without pennies and Brown Thomas being open, says uh, Tim. East 
licence did not have to close but it was a management decision obviously because there were so few people around Patrick Street. I did not get as far as Waterstones. The queue made to me unattractive at present for shopping using up using up my time and this can also be a problem in Middleton which is the nearest town to where I live. I believe in shopping locally but there will always be times when you will have to head to the city but that Tim has become our new normal. You know, there's no such thing now as I'll do a quick I'll nip out and do a quick run to the shops no matter what shop you're going to go to we're going to have to just prepare for queuing we we certainly are getting used to it with the supermarkets it's a happy day if you arrive at the supermarket and there isn't a queue ahead of you but there's been very few times I think I've got to the supermarket that I haven't had to wait outside and not, I haven't been waiting very long sometimes I've waited longer than, than other days but certainly it's a happy day if you arrive without a queue and that's the way it's going to be that is going to be our new normal while social distancing is still in place and why we limit the number of people that can go into stores and why the, the two metres are in place certainly that's the way it is going to be I was speaking about anti. thank you for your text I was speaking about antibodies earlier thank you to Caroline who said Claire Byrne was tested on Claire Byrne live she actually did the test live on TV and she didn't have the antibodies I wonder is that because it, she was so many weeks after she had COVID-19 isn't, isn't that interesting I mean who they're asking for this the test of the blood samples in, in Dublin and Sligo. They're asking people to come forward, not people who had COVID-19. They're asking members of the general public to come forward just to try to get a handle and to see are there people out in the community who have the antibodies who didn't even realise they had COVID-19 so they're not going to test people who definitely had uh, COVID-19. And a Douglas listener said the band Codaline, one of their band members had uh, the virus and the way it affected him was extreme tiredness. Is there any way you can check to have a strong a checkup to see if you have a strong immune system, says a Douglas listener. I would say have a chat with your doctor. I mean, generally speaking, doctors will do blood on people and they'll know you know if your iron count is low or if your vitamin D is low or, or, or whatever it is that's one way of uh, finding out I know with immune systems when we talk about immune systems with Annalise our nutritional therapist she's always talking about boosting the immune system she's you know always on about that and giving ways for all of us to, to boost the immune system so there certainly are ways you can boost it uh, rather than actually find out if your immune system is low and there's a number of people also have been on uh, saying you know people who are kind of convinced that they may have had COVID-19 at some stage. Um, some give you an example of some of the co- the WhatsApps in. Ed in Dunmanway says, Patricia, I had uh, the very same symptoms that you described that you had back in February, only I had them a bit earlier. It was around late Christmas into the new year. It was so bad it even put me off my cider. <laughs> says Ed in uh, Oh my God, you must have bad old dose there Ed uh, for sure uh, yeah but it was just a, a, a dreadful dose an absolutely dreadful uh, dose okay what else is coming into us um, this is from uh, Christy who says hi Patricia I've maintained from the start that the country should have been regionalised this is Michael Collins suggestion that we open up Munster as a region I believe that Dublin and the surrounding counties along uh, the surrounding counties to Dublin I'm assuming, assuming saying along with Cork 
Galway and Limerick cities should have been separated from the rest of the country due to differences in population density um, and it's different than somebody living in a very rural area. Apart from those areas it's my opinion that the premises that were allowed to open under phase one should never have been closed. It did not make sense opening all the floodgates all at the one time. It's the only time that rural Ireland has been treated the same as the main urban centres. When it comes to job creation, the same approach is not adapted as rural Ireland is often forgotten about. I feel the cure has nearly been as bad as the disease because all we see now are queues of people making up for lost time. I also feel the rules that have been put in place for restaurants will not make it viable for them to reopen unless they double their prices, etc. A lot of it does seem over the top. A bit of common sense is what is needed. It seems that we're living more in a communist state. I believe there have been no instance of coronavirus in our jails, yet our care homes were not protected properly. Maybe the prison service should be running the HSE. I saw that, uh, Conjugars, as Christian Temple Granton. I saw that yesterday, actually. There was a piece on the news yesterday showing that they've kept COVID-19 out of the prisons and it did strike me goodness you'd be safer now in a prison than you would be in some of our nursing homes which is the kind of a, a scary thing isn't it to, to even contemplate uh, 1850 here's one from which I will do afterwards Jill thank you for this this is when people are always asking and Michael Collins said he's brought it up in the doll why can't we find out exactly where the COVID-19 positive cases are like if you're living in Bantry, how many cases? I'm not. We're not saying that you go into the the actual estate and say which which estates it's in, but you'd get the town. How many are in the town? How many are in the city? And you know, let people know, give people an idea of where the COVID nineteen cases are. Jill says, if you Google COVID nineteen daily operations twenty zero zero fifteen April. This will open a PDF that has the HSE maps showing COVID cases in detail. If you overlay road map, you can see towns affected. These maps were only ever available in this one report, says Jill. I will take a look at that when I come off air with great interest, I can tell you that. So thank you for that. Uh, 1850 I think I've got through all of those. I have. OK, uh, time to do this. C103 Jobs. Milk recorders are wanted for a number of locations across Cork County and Maria Goretti Nursing Home, that's in Kilmallock, they've got vacancies for a full-time senior staff and a full-time healthcare assistant. Childbinder wanted for four children, two to three afternoons per week, that's in the Bandon area. Job will start from August slash September. And a childminder wanted for a six-month-old baby in the Clonakilty Rathbarry area. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Court today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. Now yesterday it was announced that 75 million euro will be given to childcare providers to stop them charging parents higher fees than before the COVID-19 crisis 
Will this be enough? Joining me with his views, Deputy Sean Sherlock, who is Labour's spokesperson on Children and Youth Affairs. Good morning to you, Sean. Good morning, Patricia. Now, Sean, in fairness to you, you were calling for guidance on funding for childcare providers uh, this week before the announcement was made. The 75 million euro, do you think that's sufficient? The 75 million on the face of it looks like a massive figure, but when you begin to actually parse down through the figures, as I've been doing over the last, over yesterday evening and this morning, I think that the payments as they are spread out to individual providers may not be adequate to meet the needs of the providers to put in place the new systems that they'll have to put in place to operate the pods. Uh, On the face of it, say, for instance, if you have, you know, up to 11 children and if you're resuming services on the 29th of June, you'll get a payment of €2,000. But that sounds like a big figure on the face of it. But in order to be able to operate the pods and have the clear social distancing between uh, you know, supervisors or workers within the sector, it, it may not be sufficient. You may not have a sufficient amount of staff to be able to do this. And I have a feeling, and I, I need to do further analysis on this, but I have a feeling that if the pod system is to work, that a figure of €2,000 won't be enough for you to meet the costs because it is highly likely that you will have to bring in additional staff and therefore your cost of hiring new people to make the pods operational will, will you know will be very high because that's employing a, a new person potentially within your facility depending on the size of that facility uh, and and the 2000 is probably only a drop in the ocean of that but we have to do some further analysis of well, I know the Federation of Early Child Care Providers, they were out very quickly yesterday saying, and, and I quote, utterly, utterly inadequate, the €75 million, euro, uh, with the prediction that hundreds of creches will go bust. Well, there, there will. Th- that's a fair statement, and, in re- and that is the reality. In the real- Every year, there are a certain number of early years providers who, dare I say it, fall by the wayside. And I think you have to take what the Federation are saying seriously because they're seeing what the cost of this, the true cost of this would be for their members. And their members are telling them through uh, Elaine uh, Dunn, who is chair of that Federation, that the amount of the grants will not be sufficient for them to be able to open up on the 29th of June. Now, we, I suppose, as politicians have to strike a balance between saying, well, you know, what are the requirements and what's there in the pot to be able to meet the needs of the providers and also balance that against what are the needs of parents. And I am hopeful that there is something in this package that will allow for a sufficient number of providers to to operate again on the 29th so that we can get, you know, so that parents have some uh, confidence that they can get their children back into the services again. Now, I've asked for a doll debate on this next week because I want to start, I I want to hear from people like the Federation in relation to what it actually means for them in real terms. If you bear in mind what I've said in relation to there being a certain rate of attrition every year of providers anyway, um, and that's that seems to be a natural thing that happens year on year. The question arises as to whether or not the 1,800 that 
creches and early years providers that normally open during the summer months, whether or not all of them will be able to reopen. And I think based on the Federation's view, is the answer to that is no. And if the answer to that is no, then that means that there will be children without places. And I think more, I think more than ever, families and let's be honest, in in the main, it, it it's mothers when it comes down to the the child minding. And I'm not being sexist when when I say that it's mothers get more affected than the fathers. But parents need certainty. I mean, this notion of telling parents to um, to to improvise and look for a dig out for relatives. I mean, that's simply not good enough. Not good enough, and and we spoke about this the last day, Patricia. We're now seeing the evidence that the lack of childcare provision is having a regressive effect for working mothers in particular. The evidence is there, and the ability of mothers, working mothers, to be able to progress within their careers is already taking a major hit, and we have the uh, CSO research to prove that. So. I, I suppose the, the quandary for people like me as TDs is how do we strike a balance between saying, OK, we need childcare to open up. Uh, you know, it, it, the package it, it, we're being told by the providers is not adequate to meet their needs, but we do need to get children out of houses and into uh, back into the sector again. Even if that means the working mothers in the main are, are still working from home, it just frees up that time for them to be able to... to, to keep on top of their careers and progress within their careers and how do you strike the balance between that dynamic and ensuring that the costs that will be incurred by the provider by the owner of a particular facility will be met on the 29th now the temporary wage subsidy scheme that was announced for the uh, you know for the sector gave some degree of comfort, I think, to be able to retain workers within the sector. And that's up but, to 80% of their wages until the until August. Until August. But I think that the Minister is gearing up. I mean, what she's saying, she's gearing up, I think, to wind down that scheme. That's the fear that I have. Because what she's saying is that she'll continue until, it will continue until the end of August for those who open on the 29th of June. And I think that there's a subtlety in that language there that says, I think there's a message in that that says, you know, if anybody after the 29th of June or, or, or maybe, you know, a little bit later than that, within a week or two after that, uh, you know, w- w- will be eligible for it until the end of August. But that may be the other providers who might be opening up in, in August or later. Which is the bulk of the crashes. Which is the bulk of the creches, because if you take it that there are only 1,800 out of 4,500 approximately creches that open during the summer months or early years providers that open during the summer months, then I think what she's signalling in that statement is an intention maybe to wind down the scheme. And that will have a major bearing, I think, uh, for providers when we come into the autumn. Uh, because well, actually, can I just stop you on that? When when the funding was announced yesterday, uh, am I right in interpreting it that that funding was for the eighteen hundred creches that will open on June twenty ninth? And do we know what's happening for the for the rest? It's as you said, up to four and a half thousand. Well, what she's saying is that she's categorised. It, it's not just for those who are opening on June 29th. What she's saying, what the minister is saying, is that like she has graded it. So if you've one to eleven, you'll get two thousand if you open up on the t- June 29th. But if you're opening in, you know, August or September, you'll get a thousand euros. So there's a lesser payment uh, oh, okay. for those who are opening later uh, in the autumn. But but 
this is why we need this debate. No, we need to interrogate these figures. And I think we need, I, I'll be talking to the Federation tonight, for instance. We're doing a Facebook Live on this because what we want to hear now, we, what we want to hear from the providers is, well, how many do you think won't open? And and, and then if, if, if there's a significant number of those 1,800 that won't open because of these measures, then we have time to go back to the minister, hopefully on next Wednesday, to be able to say, look, parents will not still be able to access places for their children. And I've come to the view that this is not just about frontline or or essential workers. I think we now need to start thinking about opening up the entirety of the sector, uh, you know, for, for, for all workers at this stage, because I think, you know, parents, I think, from a domestic point of view, are really feeling the pinch. I think they're under tremendous pressure uh, at this point in time. And I'm hearing anecdotes from providers in the Cork area who are saying that they won't open until uh, September, even though, for instance, they would have been eligible for the, the schemes that you know, the, the National Child Care Scheme or the Community Child Care sub, Subvention, you know, all of the various schemes that support the, the individual providers. If we're hearing that providers will not be opening, then that's going to have a major knock-on effect, I think. And so I'm hopeful that on Wednesday we'll be able to get further clarity from the Minister as to whether or not there will be, you know, a further package announced if that is needed, if it means that you can get 1,800 of those uh, crashes and early years providers back into the system. All right, and then to the parents themselves, I know I was reading on a parenting community online last night, now it was a, a question in Dublin, the parents had notified all of the parents that when they go back, an extra €350 Euro increase per month, that's a lot of money for parents well, to come up with. Patricia, you don't even have to go to, to Dublin, it, it's happening in Cork and I have received uh, I received one email in particular where uh, if a a provider was asking the parents to come up with fifteen euros, and the announcement yesterday is is effectively saying that you know you will be eligible for these grants subject to there not being an increase for in the cost for parents, uh, and that's very clear in the language used by the minister uh, yesterday. I don't think you can. I don't think parents can incur a further charge at this juncture. I think that would be, you know, inequitable. And but I think then that if there are real costs that are not being met by the grants that are becoming available, then I think there's a possibly a gap that needs to be bridged there. Okay, but and then if there isn't, if enough creches don't open, are we going to face a dilemma in September that the early childcare schemes and, you know, children heading off to do their, their two years uh, free creche, that there won't be enough places? That That's the danger here. And that's why I think uh, next Wednesday and throughout the summer, we need to keep this issue as a very live issue because we can't have a situation in September uh, where you will have parents who will, you know, have to go back in in many instances into the workplace and who just will not have access to childcare places. But even for children that just need to go to a creche, it's part of their developmental. Oh, absolutely. I I, I mean, there's so many, as we say, like you have the National Child Care Scheme, the the, the, the HA schemes, as we call them, you know, you have the sessional schemes, you know. We can't have a situation in September where 
you know, there will be a high number of creches of early years providers who, who will not be able to open mm. their doors because that has a massive knock-on effect for OK, and, and I can already see people, as soon as I mentioned that you were coming on in the programme to talk about uh, childcare and children's issues, does Sean know, will all schools reopen in uh, September and will they open in a full-time basis? That was one question from Monica in Mallow. We don't have uh, full certainty on that yet. Uh, this week in the Dáil, for instance, we debated uh, the issue of the July provision. And, you know, I, I don't want to be overtly political about this, but the minister is saying that, in principle, the July provision will will, will go ahead, uh, you know, for, for children with additional needs, for instance. But the details of that scheme have yet to be announced. And what's happening with the government at the moment is that they're they're pre-announcing their intention to open up, uh, you know, education in September. But what they're not doing is giving us the actual detail. And it's a, it's it's something that has been occurring, particularly for for children and young adults, or for for it happened with the leaving cert. It's happening now with the July provision, and it's happening with the childcare issue, where you know there's there's one sector of society, and that's from 18 downwards, who where there's a massive amount of uncertainty about when full services will be resumed for that cohort, from people from, you know, one month to 18 years, effectively, you know, who are in the education system in some way, shape or form. And it's the so, uncertainty so, that's adding to the stress for people, Sean. This is the point, Patricia. The What, what parents need is is certainty. What teachers need is certainty. If you can say to a teacher, to a parent, we are opening up. We go back to the earlier conversation that we had previously where Professor Cormac and on the public health side said there is always going to be an element of risk here for the foreseeable future. And it's how you manage the risk and then put in place systems. But if you you, you, you need to give people time then to prepare. So you mm. need to give schools time to prepare. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. OK, listen, I've got to leave it there. Uh, Sean, listen, thank you for that. We'll uh, no doubt talk again on this issue. But in the meantime, thank you for joining us on the programme this morning. Thank you, Patricia. Good morning to you. That okay. is uh, Labour uh, Dáil Deputy Sean Sherlock, 1850-333-103. Court today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086-2103-103. And we're going to Fomoy Garda Station for this week's uh, Garda Fire. I'm joined by Sergeant John Kelly. Good morning to, to you, John. Good morning, Patricia. And good Thank to you know that uh, crime is still low and long may that continue, but there there has been some uh, crime that we want to talk about and, and hopefully get help from listeners and to give it out as a word of uh, warning. Lots of people out walking and getting exercise, which is great to, to see, but we're back to the problem of people leaving items on view in their cars. Yeah, and it, it's, a, it's a seasonal form of crime, uh, Patricia, and again... People have uh, endured the lockdown there for the last uh, three months, and no doubt, you know, with the good weather, they're going to be back to walking in the, in, in the mountains and by the rivers and beaches, you know, now that you can travel to 20 kilometres. Um, so last Saturday, but now uh, half hour half hour time slot between 10 to 2 and 20 past 2, that's last Saturday, uh, up to Ballyhower Mountains there, Ballyhay, uh, windscreen smashed of a parked car 
and a handbag to, handbag taken while the couple were out walking. You know, um, this is something that I've uh, seen back a couple of weeks ago as well, something similar, mostly confined to North Cork, but no doubt uh, as the beaches, kind of, as people go to the beaches and, um, as, and other uh, beauty spots, you know, it's something will persist. So for people to bear it in mind, um, not to leave valuables in the car when you're, when you're going out walking, you know. And there was a, um, a theft of tools in Donnerill. Theft of tools in Donnerill, again. Um, I suppose I described this really as seasonal crime to a certain extent. Um, uh, theft of a chainsaw, theft of a strimmer. Now, I mean, the chainsaw was uh, still make, uh, yellow in colour. The strimmer I have no make for, but was red in colour. But you're talking 600 euros possible. Yeah, they're not, they're not cheap items. They're not cheap to replace. Now, that was last Friday, and it occurred at Richardstown Donnerill between 1 a.m. and 7 a.m., so we'd appeal, if anyone has any information, the Gardaí at Mallard or Moy or any uh, Gardaí station, please, uh, just to contact us. But um, just for people to bear in mind, uh, you know, they're doing jobs, uh, chainsaw streamers at the moment. Um, the growth is there. You know, you'd see sometimes occasionally um, uh, lawnmower lifting the front garden overnight. Mm-hmm. You know, they're valuable pieces of kit. And they're something that if they're taken, they will be, sold on uh, by the people that took them and they will be bought by unscrupulous people as well who really don't give a, uh, a damn where they came from in the first place, you know. Yeah, and um, it's opportunistic. It's somebody passing sees it and, and it's taken in many it's cases. It's opportunistic, yeah. 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 Um, uh, we also saw there a theft of uh, diesel taken from a truck who was par- parked at the side of the road. This there, isn't so. very, this is, doesn't happen that often, does it? Probably happens more often than we realise. Oh, only okay. that only that the thefts aren't uh, thefts in some cases maybe aren't reported or people don't realise it has been taken. Yeah. But in this case it was uh Laurie was parked at the side of the road uh sixth of June there last, uh between twelve midnight and six AM. So obviously the quantity was enough that they that they knew it had been taken, you know. Um but it is something that you see from time to time, Laurie's parked overnight or maybe uh, where a yard has been accessed. So for people just to bear in mind that this type of theft is still happening. Okay. Um, the next thing that, that I have there, there is just uh, fraud is still happening, online fraud um, specifically, where you had a thousand uh, euros taken online. Now, in this case, the injured party thought she was dealing with a financial advisor and gave bank details over oh. the phone. Now, I don't have any information what made her think she was talking with yeah. a financial advisor. But some of these fraudsters can be very convincing. Very convincing. Yeah. Very convincing. That's their job, 24-7-365. You know, they're professionals. They come across well on the phone. Um, uh, but they don't like to be asked questions. And, you know, we'll put down the put down the uh, phone straight away. Like, the, there was uh, a friend of mine got a, re- uh, a recent call. And straight away, it was the wording uh, made him made him talk up on this and because the, the, the caller described themselves as being from the Inland Revenue which is a term we don't use. We don't use, yeah. yeah. It's a term we don't use, a term specific to the UK. And uh, uh, of course, straight away, he decided to play on, you know, he asked him what, what particular section of the inland <laughs> revenue he was from and the next thing they were pouring it down on the other side. Yeah, you know? yeah. But, okay, um, and, then, yeah, and then scam artists calling door to door. They're back. Uh, they're back. I've got a couple of calls from uh, concerned people about it. Uh, in one case, it's... Uh, uh, Elderly woman calling door to door appears to be the husband of the driver selling clothes. Uh, now, as I say, um, 
probably at very, very exorbitant prices. Look, I'd appeal to people, you know, don't get involved with door-to-door buying uh, uh, buying of anything. You our know, our, our services, people offering to do. Our services. Yeah. Uh, the, the second one I have is basically same area, um, down, down, uh, down West Waterford, where they were calling with, uh, you know, the ladders were on the top of the van, wanted to do the, the roofing contractors. You yeah. know, so now the lockdown is over. Now they can. Tra- now they know they can travel further without being stopped. Maybe at, at very frequent guard checkpoints. You know, they're back. Yeah, now, uh, throughout the country, people have been done a fantastic job while the lockdown was on, as regards you know giving us phone calls about strange vans in the area or or such like. So for people, to keep up the caution. You know, we don't want those operators back. Uh, we want to. You know, as they're out, we want to keep them out. You know, and uh, if they have any information, you know. Call to us if they if they see if they see anybody calling, you know. Just yeah, you just know, ring. you know your area. You know the people who are there on a daily basis or a weekly basis. Correct. If you're suspicious at all, pick up the phone and and ring the guard the station. Correct. And and I suppose just to mention finally there, you know, the, you know we have had good weather last. Uh, a couple of months, thankfully, you know, it's now 20 kilometres, you, know, you know, as regards from five kilometres as regards COVID-19, um, adhere to social distancing and for people to just... Okay, sorry, and it's 20 kilometres um, outside of Cork. We, we're, we're allowed to travel anywhere around Cork and then the 20 kilometres is outside the county. Yeah, that's my yeah. that's my understanding, but I stand to be corrected on that. Um, but, you know, common sense has brought us a long way through all this, you know, and this is not the time for slippage. You know, I, as a society, we've done a good job up to now. And, uh, you know, just for people to bear it in mind, you know, that it hasn't gone away. Yeah, you know? it's, it's still there. And people have been very good about, I think, community spirit very much came to the fore, John, during the lockdown. And to keep that up, keep that contact uh, and that looking after neighbours and friends. Well, there have been negatives. You, you know, as there is in every case, there are also positives. Yeah. And the positives are that the great bank of, of community uh, people that came out, you know, to help in, the, in you know, in the crisis. You know, p- people have discovered neighbours that they never t- thought they had, you know. Um, I think as a community, we've we've come together a lot more, uh, you, you know, and we need to dwell on the positives that we have, not the negatives, yeah. you know. So I think it's been a learning experience for everyone, you know, and that includes us in the Garda as well, you know. Yeah, and then when you're out and about, just keep up the social distancing, keep the two metres away from people, the good cough etiquette, all of that, and we'll, we'll we will get through this. Okay, listen, uh, John, thank you, f- thank you for that. And, uh, thank thanks, you very much. Thanks for sure. joining us. Uh, bye-bye. That is Sergeant John Kelly joining us at, uh, from Oigard, the station. Okay, some of your comments coming in on some of the issues we've been addressing uh, today. In the last hour, we were talking about creches reopening and will there be additional costs for parents? And the Minister Catherine Sapone yesterday announcing grants that will be available to the childcare sector. Some of them, the childcare sector saying it isn't enough and are we going to have a huge problem as parents try to go back to work that they will have no one to look after their children and then when it comes to September and children are ready to go back into the creche for their preschool uh, years will there be enough places if enough of the creches don't uh, reopen. A texter says Patricia the government were trying to arrange childcare for the children of frontline workers that turned out to be a complete disaster. Is this what we have to look forward to with the new government? If the new government that's been formed at the moment will it be more of the same old same all it looks like it'll be all talk and no action. What are we to do? Says this uh, texter. Michael says, this is on the opening up of Monday.
Munster. Michael says, I don't think the opening up of Munster to a free-for-all would be a good idea, particularly at this point in time. It really, to me, says Michael, is a non-starter. Munster, i.e. Cork, Waterford, Kerry, would be flooded overnight. We are only partially there after a lifting of lockdown restrictions. We need time, more time. Opening Munster would be would would be suicidal, pure insanity. The undertakers would be smiling at the... Oh, Mike, don't say that. Uh, undertakers are definitely not smiling uh, for sure, but I know I know the point that, that you're trying to make. You, just, you literally think it's too soon. And I have to agree with you in that from when I first heard about this suggestion of opening up Munster as a region, it has always been my concern that we would have people coming from areas where there's high COVID-19 and, you know, and they, won't, they wouldn't be deliberately coming to the area to bring COVID-19 to our doors steps but we know that people can have no symptoms certainly in the early days and still be infectious. We know that people can get through COVID-19 and never have any symptoms but they still would be infectious at the time so there's, there's a fear factor, a huge fear factor and I think you're right, I think it simply is just too early to be talking about things like that yet I can see the point of the country needing to, to reopen to get the economy back on track and to get tourism back on track track but it's try to get the balance isn't it between what the economy needs and public health and looking after uh, people and then on people having symptoms and you know thinking that they had uh, symptoms and thinking that they had uh, COVID-19 and you know the one way of finding out for sure is to have these antibody tests done that they're now rolling out for Sligo and Dublin and I don't know if there's a plan to roll it out for the rest of the country I'll see if I can find out more on that this afternoon but Dan says I was in the Mercy Hospital now it was a non-related COVID COVID-19 reason. It was about three weeks ago. I mentioned at the time that I had had a very severe flu back in December with every single COVID-19 symptom and it ran on for about two weeks. The worst cough I've ever had. I had a fever, shortness of breath, never experienced anything like it before. I visited the doctor back then in December and he advised me to stay in bed and keep away from the family as as he said what you have is extremely contagious. Did they know about COVID-19 back then? I wonder. Well no they didn't but anyway Dan says so Three, we move forward to three weeks ago when he was in hospital. They were taking my bloods. He was in for, as he said, non-COVID-19 related. He said, I asked the doctor, would you ever check and see, do I have COVID-19 antibodies? But she had no interest whatsoever. Uh, that's a waste of resources, I feel. Wouldn't it have been easier to have it done it there on me as the bloods were being taken, especially with all of the information I was impar- imparting to her? Would it not have been better have my bloods taken for my non-COVID related reason and at the same time test for the antibodies. Uh, yeah, I don't know how this test for the antibodies work and how widely available that test is. It certainly isn't available to doctors uh, at the moment. It's it's the I'm assuming it's the HSC are running this specific trial of this test in Dublin and uh, Sligo so it isn't widely available all over the country. Will it one day? You would like to think that that's, that that's what they're aiming for. Um, and actually somebody else was on about um, symptoms. Uh, Jill said uh, myself and several friends had a terrible virus back in November and December. Blood sugar levels and liver levels shot from normal to pre-diabetic. The cough with very laboured breathing, it would not go away. Some of us had chest pains, others had aching muscles. It was just diagnosed at the time as a virus with no name on it. Could that have been COVID-19? 
says uh, Jill. And you see, and that's the question so many people ha- have. And actually, thank you to the people who've clarified because I hadn't seen the Claire Byrne show. It's just always on too late. I wasn't read further down the Claire Byrne show is on, so I don't always get uh, to hear it. And people were saying, because we know the Claire Byrne from the Claire Byrne TV show we know that she had COVID-19 she was probably one of the first that we found out of a, kind of a public figure to have COVID-19 and she was doing her show do you remember from the shed and all of that and she wasn't that debilitated by it but she did have COVID-19 and then people were saying that she was tested for antibodies and it, it didn't show up that she had antibodies and I was wondering was it was it done too soon after she had the COVID-19 could that have been the reason Anyway, somebody's explained and this actually makes sense. I watched the Claire Byrne programme the night that she was tested for the antibodies. My understanding of it, says this sister, was they were trying out this particular test to see if the test was actually reliable. It was decided there and then that that test wasn't successful because she didn't show up any antibodies. OK, that now makes sense because there's been a lot of work being done on this antibody test. A little bit like the work that's going on for the vaccine. They had to come up with a test in order to, and they would have had many trials of the test to see does it work or not and obviously that was the one way they could test for sure if the antibody test was working or not was by doing a blood test on people who they knew had been confirmed with COVID-19. They're now at the stage where the antibody test they have they know 100% that it works and that's why they're going out into the general community but as of now it's just aimed at Sligo and Dublin. So thank you to whoever sent in that text. There's no name on it. Uh, Good to have the clarity on uh, that. Okay, um, has it been confirmed that barbers and hairdressers are opening on the 29th of June uh, says the listener no it hasn't and I saw somebody sent in a text as well saying it, saying that they are opening it hasn't it's been speculated about and I think the speculation got added to it because Leo Varadkar was asked about it yesterday in an interview on national radio and he says that they were considering it but it still has not been confirmed and I know Sadie and John Paul are keeping an eye on the news wires if anything like that broke while we were on air we would of course bring it to you but no it hasn't been it's still down for July the 20th with a push by some hairdressers to open on the 29th but there's been no confirmation uh, yet back to NCT's the listener says I got my car half tested before the lockdown but they couldn't do the envis because of the lifts I've been trying to ring them to get a test now that the NCT centres are op- open I can't get through to Dublin and I had my test originally done in Blarney but I can't get through there no you're not going to get through on the phones you need to book you need to go online to ncts.ie and you need to book your time slot the good news is that the test centre in Blarney is open. There's only two open in Cork, Blarney and Little Island, but you, you won't be able to book it on over the phone until all of the test centres are taken back up and running and then that facility will be available for now. Only way of booking your NCT is to do it over by online, but you are in the category that they're looking for people to come forward. Uh, so please come forward and get tested. In Bandon yesterday, says the text are no toilets open in the shopping centre. I ended up going to a local petrol station. They also had their uh, toilets uh, closed. So it it looks like it's an individual choice on people because we heard earlier when I kicked off the show talking about toilets not being opened and then we got a couple of people 
to come on and say uh, the toilet in Little and Formoy, for example, is open. Somebody else said the public toilets were open in McCroom. Someone else was in Merchant's Key and said the toilets were open. And we got calls in to say the Paul Street Shopping Centre in the city toilets were open. So that does seem like there are some toilets open, but then there are other toilets that are not open. So it must be an individual choice on behalf of businesses whether they decide to open toilets or not. And I'm assuming it's down to staff numbers that they just don't have enough staff to go in and make sure that they're kept clean and that they are kept uh, sanitised. Hi Patricia I agree in general about the opening up of uh, Munster but if it was to go ahead it would have to be well policed and therein lies the problem. How would you police it? I mean other than we don't want to build a wall around Munster I don't know how it could be uh, policed. This is from C in Cork who says when do museums open please? Museums are due to open on the 20th of July according to the road map. So you've got another bit of a wait along with the hairdressers and the barbers. It's It's the 20th of uh, July. And just on NC, back to the NCT for a second. Teresa has sent us another text. Teresa was the lady who kicked this off yesterday, who went back to have her car retested and, you know, to get put up on the lift to be told she'd have to go for a full retest and, but that she'd only be charged. She'd have to go for the full test, but she'd only be charged for a retest. And she was very annoyed about it because then they discovered something wrong. And now she has to go back for another retest, which she has to pay for. So she was, she was very annoyed. And I was saying that she, I couldn't understand why she was forced to go for a full test and that I thought she should query it and she should get on to the NCT. So she's, uh, and then when I discovered afterwards the 5,000 kilometre rule, if the odometer on your car is over 5,000, since you got your original test then you'll be forced to do a, a full retest and you'll full test and you'll have to pay for it and I thought maybe that was the issue so Teresa says following on from my message yesterday regarding my NCT and hearing you announce just now about the 5,000 kilometre on the odometer since the last presentation I wasn't even half of that I spent half an hour yesterday on the phone line to them they said they're calling me back today but the main drift I was getting from them so far is they cannot print off a certificate for anything that has been been tested outside a 30 day period. Therefore, that is the reason for the full test and the fee. Obviously, the time delay is no fault of mine. They were closed due to COVID-19, but I suppose they could be claiming the same thing due to COVID-19. Even though the lifts weren't operating in most centres, should lay the blame with them. Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely, Theresa, fight them on on that one. I mean, if you had gone when you went on day one and you got your test done, you had passed with flying colours except for that end section. That was their fault. It wasn't yours. You were more than willing to go back within the 30-day period, except you couldn't because they closed you to COVID-19. I really do not think you should have been paying for for that test. That really, really is annoying. And thank you, Teresa, for keeping us informed. Somebody else feels the whole NCT is just a daylight robbery. People are struggling enough as it is uh, without putting off... um, People are struggling enough... Uh, without people should put off getting it done the government are, are a disgrace well, you've no, you, well, you will have no choice you've got a four month extension on your NCT but you could be stopped by the guards and then you're in bigger trouble so you've no choice you do have to uh, get it done Hi Patricia in regards to using public toilets I don't think there should they, they should be 
too hygienic how often would they be cleaned I think the shopping centres should open their bathrooms and tell people bring your own loo roll and your own hand sanitizer with you most of these places have security I'm sure they could pay somebody to check and see if people are using them uh, correctly that would be one way to open up the toilets and to open them up safely says a texter 1850 333103 okay there's been lots of talk about the wearing of face masks and actually we actually on our Instagram page put up a on the C103 Instagram page we put up a poll on one of our stories and we asked people should face covering on public transport be compulsory and we came back with 75% of people saying yes and 25% of people saying no now that's just the compulsory wearing of face masks on public transport which is what is happening across the water in the United Kingdom you can't get on a train a bus or a tram unless you are wearing face covering they have made it compulsory in this country we know the advice is it's recommended that people wear face covering on public transport and when out in public and when in closed spaces and if you're anywhere where you can't guarantee you're going to be two metres away from people but I read a poll uh, the results of a poll has come out where they asked people were they or were they not wearing face masks and according to this poll 28% of the population say yes they are covering up when they leave home but it's as low as 22% among men who say they are wearing face masks yet 84% told the Department of Health survey that they would definitely or probably wear one. So the gap obviously is the fact that it's only a recommendation. People, a low number of people are wearing them. Whereas if it was mandatory, 84% of people said, yeah, they definitely or probably would wear one if it was made mandatory. So Fiona Corcoran, our senior news reporter, was out and about in the streets of Cork yesterday and she asked people about the wearing of face masks. Well, it's my first venture, really. It's strange, but I feel feel it's safe that I can see they're, you know, they're, they're being very careful and, you know, we hope we'll do the right thing. Face mask. How do you feel about wearing them? It's a bit. <laughs> Not. <laughs> we did glasses. I wear glasses and they get kind of fogged up. And <laughs> but anyway, I would prefer if they were if they were um, if I could have the ones with the washable ones that I could. Yes. But we'd have to do with what we're doing at the moment. And you know, strange is strange is strange is different. <laughs> It's a different world, it sure is, sure is. And I love Friday and buses. You know, I'd be out every day nearly. <laughs> this is a new venture now for me. Yeah, but I'm only going as far as Mallow, so it's okay. It's not too bad, not too bad, yeah. I mean, I guess it's okay. It's a little bit uncomfortable, not going to lie. I mean, I don't usually wear it, but I guess it's their opinion if they want to wear it, you know. A bit claustrophobic. <laughs> <laughs> Especially when it's hot. I came on the train from Mallow this morning, but there, but then there were not many people on the train at all. So do you think that at this stage now we should be making Um, I suppose it should give more certainty to the situation. Well, been uh, with a choice, we had a hospital appointment, so we had to go with it. Other than, other than that, we wouldn't be choosing it. Damn glad to have it, of course, but uh, it's a hard one to call. But at the moment, as far as I know, the masks were the sort of available aren't the proper masks, I believe, and uh, that's what the crux is, I think. And if we have to wear them, we'll have to wear them. Well, I don't know everyone, but I do it myself anyway, you know, and I'm wearing gloves. I know they might be the best, but you know, that's what I think. Um, not too great. I'm not really a big fan of traveling by public transport anyway. And now with this whole COVID thing, um, I don't feel great traveling on public transport. Um, 
especially now that I lost my mask a few minutes ago just before traveling I had it in my pocket and I must have taken it out with my phone or something and it just dropped so and I you actually always wear a mask here. oh my god thank you oh my god I'm so happy thank you so much thank you oh my god that's great I feel much better now to be honest you know um, because I might have it without knowing it so I'm trying to be considerate to other people and I like it when other people are considerate towards me as well. I'm from Slovakia and in Slovakia they were made compulsory from mid-March up until last week and everyone um, complied and everyone wore a face mask so maybe they should be compulsory when you're going to shops and public transport but maybe when you're just moving around freely I I don't know if there's a need for it really yeah but I can actually see see it increase though I see it on the trains and the buses not as um, as many people as I would like to see but I think there's a big increase definitely uh, some interesting views there on face masks and that was Fiona out and about on the streets of Cork uh, yes, yesterday but according to the Department of Health survey 84% of people when they were asked said they definitely or probably would wear one but I'm assuming that would be if it was made mandatory but at the moment just 28% of the population are um, wearing them even though I would have to agree with that last lady on that Vox Pop I'm noticing more of them when I'm out and uh, about I, I, I don't know if it's as low as 28% I suppose it depends on where you are I think in supermarkets because it's more of a confined space I think people are opting to wear the masks uh, for sure and thank you to a listener who says that Iceland in Formoy their toilets are also open so it, it very much depends on where you are going to do your shopping Hi Patricia talking about building walls around Munster if we opened up Munster as a region and this whole COVID-19 situation yesterday evening did you notice the figures of confirmed cases had risen again after being the same for the previous two two days. Yeah, they were at 19 yesterday and they were at nine for the two previous days. If the figures have risen again today and fingers crossed they, they won't have gone up, um, would that be an early warning that the phase two is not working? There have been numerous reports of parties taking place, etc. And these people should be taken to task as they will only make things worse and I'll make things worse for everyone, says John in Bottevant. I think... The Neffet will say and Dr Tony Houlihan will say as long as we're keeping the numbers every day below 100 and they have been below 100 now for a number of weeks at this stage and, and they're falling all the time. I think we're going to get to the stage where they will, will be below 50 for a number of weeks. They'll be below 20 for a number of weeks and then eventually when we get to the day where I can't wait where I'll be reporting where we're 10 days where we have zero new uh, cases I think it's only then, it's only if those numbers really shoot up. I think, you know, nine on Monday, nine on Tuesday and then 19 on Wednesday, they will still consider that um, a success. And of course, when they give the figures, they can't guarantee that all of those figures were for the last 24 hours. They were just reported in the last 24 hours. Some of those could have come from the weekend as well. But I think, no, I know when it goes from 9 to 19, you're thinking, oh, should we be worried? I think if it had spiked from nine and it went to... 119, I think Neffert will be saying we've got a problem here. But once they keep it below 100 and as low below 100 as they can, then I think they're going to be saying we're doing okay. 1850-333-103. Keep your pet questions coming in, please. 1850-333-103. Text or WhatsApp 0862 
103 103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses, supporting communities, serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. The Cope Foundation, which supports over 2,500 children and adults with intellectual disabilities and autism in over 70 locations across Cork City and County. They are fundraising by asking people to complete the Five Peaks One Week Challenge. And you're asked to do it any time during this, the month of uh, June. You can get further details on how to take part and, more importantly, how to donate to the Cope Foundation by going on their website, www.cope-foundation.ie. Luke O'Mahony will run his first full marathon in Cove on Saturday the 20th of June and it's in aid of the Fun Bar Challenge for the Clef Lip and Palate Association of Ireland. 56 of his friends have also undertaken challenges and there are now 50, 50, 55 challenges set to take place in 20 different countries on Saturday the 20th. You can find out more on their Facebook page which is Fun Bar challenge and gag and close collection that's continuing again next Monday and the following Monday between 7 and 8pm gag and hall and of course all of the proceeds are going to the gag and hall car park Court today on C103 call Patricia with your comment 1850 333 103 okay on face masks Ellen was on to say I was in Fromoy shopping yesterday and I spotted two people going into a supermarket and they were both wearing masks but they didn't use the hand sanitizer on the way in what is the point of wearing masks if people do not hand uh, sanitize I've seen a number of people just walk straight past the hand sanitizer now before we jump to conclusions it is very possible that the person hand sanitised in their car themselves before they, they walked walked in. I know I have a little bottle of hand sanitizer that I keep in my car and I know we're all so told as soon before we go out to go shopping to wash your hands, the 20 second rule with soap and water, which is what I always do. But I have to say, I just, I will not pass a hand sanitizer and I never have. You know, when we used to have the hand sanitizers at the, ho- they're still at the hospital doors, but that's where we first all got used to using hand sanitizers. And I have to say, the amount of people that walked into hospitals and used to walk straight past those hand sanitizers, and that's when they were going into maybe visit a loved one in hospital or going for a hospital appointment. It used to always astound me the way people walked past past it. So I suppose the same is happening at shops. But like, let's not jump to conclusion. Maybe some of those people, particularly the people that were wearing masks. I mean, if they're wearing masks, they're obviously been trying to be very, very careful and protect other people. So maybe they were they had hand sanitized. Well, we give them the benefit of the doubt, uh, Ellen, and hope they hand sanitized before they left their car. And just. Just on the price of masks, this came in yesterday and the listener's back on again to say that um, someone bought, uh, she bought them herself or somebody she knew bought, two, bought face masks and they were the reusable, washable cotton masks. She describes them as being very thin and it was €9 each and she's wondering is that expensive for a reusable, washable face mask? I've seen washable, reusable face masks. Chemists, a lot of the chemist shops are doing are, are do, doing them. Are they, did I see them on sale for seven euros, seven fifty? Did I see them on sale for, I'm, I'm very lucky that somebody, one of our wonderful listeners, um, Eileen in Mill Street sent, sent us in some gorgeous reusable face masks that, that she made her herself. And I have some, dis- the, the throwaway ones, the, dis- the, the one use ones uh, as well at home. So I haven't actually bought one. But anyway, th- let's throw it out there. Nine euro for a reusable, washable 
cotton mask that's described as being very thin. Some people prefer them very thin. Some people don't like the very thick ones because they're causing breathing issues uh, for people as well. Can anybody let our listener know, was she ripped off at €9 or is that kind of standard price for a reusable, washable cotton face mask. 1850-333-103 and this is a text that came in early this morning. Sorry, we're only getting around to now. Morning, Trish. The Does the GAA insurance, will that cover you if you get COVID-19 or is it up to individuals to take part um, to, in return, I'm returning to GAA? I'm, it's training, isn't it? It's going on at the moment and will they be, be safe? Um, I, I would take it that anyone that returns to GAA training or indeed any sport you do it at your own risk as you do when you when you go to because that's a hobby it's an individual choice whether you decide to go training or, or not I mean if you're worried about picking up COVID-19 are you saying you, you would then go back to the GAA you'd sue your local GAA because you picked up COVID-19 at training or at a match I would say if you're worried or concerned about getting COVID-19 from going back to training, I would say have a chat with your coaches at the GAA and find out if you're covered by their insurance. I don't know if anyone can have an insurance policy. It would surely cost a fortune for GAA clubs or soccer clubs or any other sporting organisation to have some kind of insurance that they would then pay out to people if they picked up COVID-19 in in whatever they, they are doing but if you're worried or concerned I would say just go and have a chat with your local GAA coach coaches okay washable face masks are available in the pound shop in Mallow for two euro okay so you can get it cheaper than nine someone else says they are five euro in the chemist and in deals in Dunmanway says another uh, texter so nine euro sounding a bit expensive and then Meg says I can't use hand sanitizers due to contact dermatitis so I have to use uh, gloves and I think most of us our hands are in bits from all the hand washing that we are doing and from the hand sanitizers as well and if you have contact dermatitis the it would be absolutely agony to use hand sanitizers because it's alcohol based it would just sting the very life out of you uh, for sure so I can understand Meg while you are using uh, gloves Hi Patricia when are shops going to allow children in again I was in a shop and they wouldn't allow me in I was going back to return paint it was a hardware store with my two year old and they wouldn't uh, allow me in again we've discussed this on the programme it's an individual it's up to individual stores to to decide whether they want to have a ban on children or, lo- or, or not in stores. I have to say most shops have introduced it and they introduced it right from the very, very start. And in the majority of cases, I think parents have been very good about not bringing their children shopping for sure. Now, that's not to say that I haven't been in supermarkets where I've seen children, but it depends on the supermarket. I know Tesco absolutely have a no rule on on children or two people on the trolley and they seem to be strictly uh, adhering to it. We spoke with Eugene Scally from Scally's Supervalue in Clonakilty. They are adamant no children allowed and if you turn up and you have a child and I know we dealt with the issue of single parents and what do single parents do what they were certainly doing at Supervalue in Clonakilty was they had like a personal shopper give us your list and we'll get your shopping go to the car and we'll bring it out to you or wait out there you know they were facilitating people uh, to shop so it's it's an individual store's decision 
will they get direction from the government? I, d- I don't think so because it wasn't the government and it wasn't Neffet who came out and said children are not allowed in shops. It was shops have decided uh, to do it. So it's, it's, it's going to be up to shops whether they will allow children back in uh, or not. Uh, hi Patricia, I have a question. I have some very high I have some very high quality, what I would term single use masks. I did my shopping yesterday and as an experiment, I washed it after using it in quite hot water. It looks perfect. Perfect. I'm wondering, is it OK to use? I Well, I think so. I mean, the, the masks that we are told to use, the homemade ones, and it's the ones that the World Health Organization is suggesting that you use the, the DIY masks. The DIY versions are, you know, scarves covering like that. And they are saying that they're that they're fine to use. I couldn't see any reason unless now, unless you are in an at risk group and you are very vulnerable and you're using one of the medical masks. The medical masks is for single use because they are thicker, stronger and they, they are the ones that they use in the hospitals, for example, and they're the ones that the people in, in an at-risk group, if you were, you know, medically vulnerable. But if you're not medically vulnerable and you are using the masks as we're all asked to do to protect other people, I could see no reason why if that mask has washed up perfectly, why you couldn't use it again. Just make sure that you're washing your hands when you're putting on the mask and when, when you're very careful taking it off and that you wash your hands immediately after when you take it off uh, as well. Uh, thank you for your text. Washable masks, two pieces of 100% cotton and interfacing and elastic and time to make them. Put a price on that when you have to buy material, etc. That's for people who are complaining about the price of the homemade, the handmade masks, you know, that a lot of the seamstresses are making. So I'm assuming that that works out at more than nine euro. But I think the listener was talking about that it was a mass produced one that she bought in a shop and she thought it was a little bit uh, expensive and we're hearing of much cheaper ones. Uh, It depends on the quality of of what you're buying. But what you're talking about there sounds like a very high quality mask uh, indeed. Patricia, I bought a lovely washable mask for 10 euro. The money was for charity. So I didn't have any problem paying for that. It's a lovely mask with a rose pattern very well made says Anne oh isn't that good that, what a great idea there's a lot of seamstresses out there making masks and we know that they're making masks for charities and handing them over and giving them uh, to people as well but there are people in business as well uh, making them so thank you for that okay uh, let's take a break and let's get to your pet questions with uh, Jane Pickett okay, get your questions in 1850 text or whatsapp 0862 103 103. Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 103 And let's go to the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket where Jane Pickett, our resident vet, joins us. Good afternoon to you, Jane. Hi there. Uh, you're, very, you're very welcome. Let me get straight into uh, questions. Carmel was on to say, my cat has a sore around her neck. Could it be from the collar she is wearing, even though the collar isn't tight? Could it have been because of the heat, the recent hot weather? She's a five-year-old. She's healthy out, eating as normal, is neutered. We leave her out a good bit, but she also is an indoor cat as well. Could a collar cause a sore around her neck? Uh, potentially it could do. I think uh, definitely a collar is 
around the neck obviously might be swinging around a little bit I think the important thing to make sure is that it's not too tight which our collar has done and that's great but make sure it's not too loose either because if it's swinging around a lot it can kind of abrade the hair um, it's kind of like a very loose bracelet on your on your hand sometimes if it's swinging around a lot it can damage the skin so just make sure it's it's a happy medium not too loose not too tight I think one thing I will be a little bit wary of is if cats want to scratch themselves with their back feet the neck is where they'll manage to do it. So they're very, very flexible. And sometimes we can see sores on the necks that are actually just misdirected itches for other places. So sometimes it could be that there is an itch or an insect bite or a little hot spot, a little inflammation on the neck and they're scratching at it and making it quite raw and sore-like. Or sometimes they might even be aiming to scratch at their ears and just very slightly falling short with their flexibility and scratching their neck instead if they do have a, an itchy ear or an ear infection. There's a number of things that could be going on. I think as well with cats, they are particularly secretive. They're really clever little animals. Sometimes they won't want to show any signs of weakness. So you might see the evidence of some kind of problem, like a little sore on the neck. And they might be itching, but they might be doing it quite secretively. Some of them are notorious for doing it overnight and, and doing a little bit of, of damage to themselves. And then the next day they're walking around happy as Larry, like nothing's happened um, because they're being very, very crafty with their scratching. It may just have been that she was unlucky and, and nicked off something or has a sore or an insect bite. It could be something very simple. But what I would say is just the common things are common. Okay, we have lost. You're, you're back. You, we've lost Jane. She's. Okay, no, uh, we've lost. Will we go with the phone line? Okay, we're going to have to go with the phone line. We've just lost Jane. Thank you, by the way, to the number of people who are giving suggestions for masks. Washable, reusable masks available in the health shop in Formoy. They're just four euro and they're nice and light. Uh, Patricia Health and other health shops have them from four euro. And someone else says double layer cotton mask three ninety nine uh, in Health on Patrick's Street says uh, Pat um, and free reusable masks. Um, here's how with a video. So somebody says if you Google it, it's a face mask from a sock by Caroline. <laughs> oh, I think I've seen that. I think I've, it's a YouTube tutorial. Yeah, actually, if anybody is anyway handy with making, if you're you know good with needle and thread or you've got a sewing machine uh, there's lots and lots of ways that you can make them uh, by and if you, you'll get tutorials on uh, the internet if you just Google how to make a, a face mask. Okay, we're back to the old traditional uh, phone line that wasn't working too well. We don't have a lot of time. Okay, Jane, you're 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 telling us what, what the cat with the scratch yeah, uh, I, I, would just, I would just make sure that the collar is not too loose, not too tight. And I would make sure that you're up to date with your parasite treatment. So just the fees and ticks, because sometimes scratching can cause a lot of sore appearance. So I think that would be the main thing. It could have just been very unlucky. It could have just had a little nick off something like ourselves getting a scrape. Yeah, but so if the just, signs continue, just, just keep an eye on it. And Tess in Jersey has sent on the most gorgeous photograph of Winnie, her cockapoo. Ah. Now, Winnie keeps scratching all the time. She was prescribed Puritan and she's on it every day for allergies, but okay. it does doesn't seem to be making a, dis- a difference. Any help would be grateful, please, says okay. Tess in Jersey. Okie dokie. So I assume that we've uh, attended the vet at this point and that they've ruled out the basic causes. So again, very similar main cause of itching and scratching are parasites. Um, so I assume your vet has, has ruled that out or you've been receiving treatment for that, if that was the case. Sometimes Pyroton, very much like in humans, it's used to reduce signs of allergy. Um, we know that in dogs, some respond really well to it. 
some don't. So I think really I say a second conversation with your vet is in order just to discuss the response to the Pyrrhuson um, and whether alternative treatment or further investigation is required. But uh, hang on in there. Itching can be really, really frustrating. Yeah, and it's it's warm weather and they're very woolly coated, exactly. those, uh, those yeah. cockapoos. And very quickly, my five-year-old Staffy at the vet had to be sedated to have an, an ear wax uh, problem and then a treatment for 10 days. But it hasn't really sorted it. I'm cleaning it myself, but I can hear a squishy sound. But I wouldn't be happy with having him sedated again so soon. Any suggestion? Okay. I really think if he's still struggling with his ears, he does need to visit the vet again. I totally empathise with our caller's concerns about sedation. It can be a bit scary for everyone involved, but what I would say is, as vets, we only do it for their own comfort and safety. So discuss your concerns with your own vet. I really do think he needs further attention by the sounds of it. Um, And between the two of you, you'll be able to work out a a compromise that will work and get the the ears sorted out and keep everyone safe. And is there a time period between one sedation and a second sedation and and a five-year-old staff? I suppose in a, in a normal healthy dog there's no hard and fast rule but what I would say is we, we like to avoid doing unnecessary sedations but in this case if it, if it is for the safety and comfort of the dog to have the ears cleaned out and attended to every dog is a little bit different um, that if your vet feels it's appropriate then I, I'd only have to concur I think your vet is the best person on the ground to make the decision from that point of view And trying to do the bit of cleaning herself do you have to be extremely careful yeah. that you don't damage? Exactly you do a lot of a lot of my patients will go home with ear cleaner and I, I will normally teach my owners how to, how to safely do that but I think the important things just follow your vet's instructions and follow their protocol for any treatment or cleaning you need to pop down Okay. All right. Listen, we'll talk to you again next week. Thank you for that. Thank you very much. And uh, thanks for joining us. That is uh, Jane Pickett of the Island Wood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket, part of the Mill Street Veterinary uh, Group. Uh, Still getting in calls on face masks. Mary says, I've seen face masks in a local chemist. I don't know where this local chemist is. And they're 13 euro. So the nine euro that your listener paid uh, wasn't uh, bad. And then someone else was on to say that Hearts Spar in Clonakilty, they've got good quality re Usable, washable face masks, two ninety nine. I can get two for a fiver. Really comfortable to wear as well, and sounds like great value. Thank you for that. Okay, that's where we park it for today. My thanks to John Paul and Sadie for taking the calls. We're back with you tomorrow at ten. At I'm Patricia Messenger. Good afternoon. You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Here's a cool fact: a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact. You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.